Well, hey, Stone Creek. Hey, let's grab our Bibles. Let's turn to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. We're going to be starting in verse four. Now, now as you're doing that, let me ask you a question. What is your favorite Bible verse? Right? Like we all have one. God helps those who help themselves. Not really. That's not a verse. But, but we always have one that we kind of take out of context. We usually call it a coffee cup verse because we like to have it on a coffee cup. Now, now for many people, their favorite verse is Jeremiah 29, 11. And it goes like this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Like, like we love that verse, don't we? Man, man, I love the idea of a grand future. You know, one, one translation says that God has this idea to prosper you and who doesn't want a little prosperity? Can I get an amen in the comments right there, right? No matter what, we can know that God's plans are for my good to give me a future. It's an encouraging verse. Many people's favorite verse, it's a, it's a nice verse, but what if? What if what happens before verse 11 is actually what makes this verse so important? It's what make this, makes this verse so inspiring. Like what if I told you that this verse was written in the worst of times and the times weren't getting any better? What if it was while the audience was in exile? Somebody drop exile in the comments. Their lives were completely disrupted. Nothing was normal for them anymore. Not their relationships, not their food, certainly not their worship. Like what if I told you that verse 11 isn't even the best verse in that chapter? Why was Jeremiah saying these things? Why was Jeremiah speaking of God's goodness while Israel was in exile? Today, I wanna talk to all of us about excelling in exile excelling in exile. Hey, let me pray before we go any further. God, we are so grateful to have encouragement from your word. We're grateful that you know people when their lives are disrupted and when we're, we're searching for answers, we may be confused, we may be out of sync, God, that you are there to give us a hope and a future. And God, help us as people, help us as a church to learn what it means to excel in exile. God, that we would know your expectations for us and that we would live up to those, God. Help Jeremiah's words today to teach us and change us. In Jesus' name, amen. So just a little bit of background. Jeremiah is a prophet in the Old Testament. Now, now Jeremiah was assigned to speak to the nation of Israel during the time when they were in exile. Now, now here's the situation. The Jews were invaded by the Babylonian army. They had taken all the educated and skilled leaders of the community into exile, hundreds of miles away into Babylon. Now, if you ever read Daniel or heard the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this was, this was when this story happened. They were removed from their homes. They were removed from their land that they valued so highly. Now, for these Jewish communities, living in exile posed a crisis. Man, nothing's normal. Everything was disrupted. They faced new restrictions from a new government. They had no temple. How do they worship without a building? How can they live a life apart from family and friends? How do they flourish when it doesn't feel like they can move forward? Does some of that sound familiar to our current situation? <laughs> Does it feel like that we have some similarities to these exiles. Man, nothing's normal. Life as we know it has been, has been disrupted. Now, obviously the exile that Israel went through isn't the same as what we're going through right now, but we are displaced from our normal, where we need to be, where we wanna be, where we hope to be. So much has been disrupted. 
So what are the expectations for people who aren't living as they normally do, who are facing significant disruption to the status quo? What what does God expect from us? How can we flourish even in a time when it feels like we can't move forward? In reality, the exile actually proved to be beneficial for the Jewish people's relationship with God. They were forced to develop new ways of forming community, worshiping God, and their new environment. Man, they had no temple or altar. So what happened? They put their focus off of the building and onto God himself. Their prayer life increased, much as mine has over the last four months. And I bet yours has too. They became a blessing to their cities. Listen, the exile community lived with such high hopes of the future that they exuded confidence in how God was gonna come through for them. And and today I wanna talk about the foreseeable future for us how we believe God wants to position us to continue to elevate the name of Jesus and to make disciples who make disciples. How does God want to step into our situation right now in order to meet the needs that we have, to help this emotional roller coaster that we seem to be riding and to give us a future and a hope? Listen, this may not be a storm that passes very quickly. This may be one of those storms that just kind of stalls out and continues to dump rain and attempt to cause destruction and damage. But we just don't wanna operate week to week anymore as we have been. And then wake up six months from now and look back and realize how much we missed in making disciples because we didn't understand how to excel in an exile. There's some lessons to learn from these exiles in the Bible. It's gonna keep us from just sitting still and enduring the damage of this storm. It's gonna help us to move forward and see God work in ways that otherwise he couldn't. Let's check out verse four. Jeremiah writes, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So here we see that God takes responsibility for this exile. And we see that God is in control. Like, did you catch that? God is the one who sent them into exile. God was in control of something that seemed to be bad. Now, who can say if COVID-19 is, you know, God's punishment on America? I don't know that any of us could say that with any level of certainty. We don't know exactly why this has happened, but we do know that even when things are beyond our control, God is in control. Here's one thing that we can expect of God, even in difficult times that God is in control of what seems to be in control. Because here's the reality. If if God could stop it and God doesn't stop it, then maybe there's something God wants us to learn. Maybe that we're in the middle of this. Maybe that God wants us to not miss something. God is in control of what is in control. Like there is something that's controlling your life right now. There always is. Before it was COVID-19, it was your kids. Maybe it was your job or maybe it was a hobby. Maybe it was anxiety. Maybe it was an addiction. Maybe it was a sports schedule or getting married. Listen, what feels like it's in control right now is COVID. Or maybe for you, it's racial division. Or maybe it's the election. But the reality is God is in control of all those. He sits on every throne. He's over every virus. He's in the middle of every conflict. Listen, God's control of every situation is called his sovereignty. It means that in the grand scheme of things, there are no accidents. Like nothing takes God by surprise. God's not confused. At the end of the day, God wants to take everything 
and work it for the good of everybody and for his glory. Listen, when bad things happen, we don't have to make excuses for God. We don't have to say things like, he didn't cause it, but he allowed it, right? We just need to know that, that God is in the middle of it and he must not be done with it. And listen, since he hasn't stopped it, he must want us to keep trusting him, to keep learning, to keep growing. Let's not miss what God wants to do. Let's not miss this. God wants us to have more faith. God wants to have more of our heart. God wants us to rearrange our priorities. God wants to shape our dreams in a new way. He wants to, he wants to shake up the rhythms of our life. He wants to help us let go of things that maybe we thought we cared deeply about. Man, he wants us to go back to the drawing board of our dreams. Listen, you may be done with COVID, but clearly God isn't. Now, sometimes I don't like God's control and I think you don't like God's control because we have control issues, right? Somebody write issues in the chat. We, we have control issues. Any control freaks out there, right? Who, who doesn't want to be in control? Listen, if you're holding the remote right now, you got control issues. If, if you're watching on a computer with some other people and the computer's in your lap, you may be the one with some control issues. Listen, if you think you have control issues, do this. Drop that strong arm emoji in the comments right there. And the reason why you do that is because you like to flex and show your control. Now, some of you are like, I'm not putting anything in the comments because you don't want anybody to tell you what to do. You know why? Because you like control. <laughs> Listen, sometimes I don't like God's control because I can't see the big picture. From my viewpoint, it looks like nothing good can come out of something. Listen, God isn't waiting for this to be over so he can do some work. As a matter of fact, we know that disruption is the time when God does his greatest work. Hardship is the time when God does his biggest work. Just because it looks bad doesn't mean God won't bring good out of it. Listen, when we wish for it to be over or we whine about how hard it is or wilt at the heat, we're saying that all the volatility, all the disruption that we experience is bigger than God. Do we constantly complain? Sometimes I catch myself and all I can look at is how the glass is half empty and what's going wrong and how tired I am and how I wish we could get back to normal. Some of us, we live in fear of what could happen next. Now, here's why understanding God's control is so important. Listen, when we realize that God is in control of all that seems to be in control, we live with hope. Now, sometimes hope is just a word that floats out in the atmosphere, doesn't it? It's something we can't seem to grab a hold of. It's something that seems like intangible. It's this nice idea, but it has no concrete legs or foundation that we can stand on. But what hope is, is just living with confident expectation. You see, because God is in control, we can live with confidence. We can live with confidence. And to excel in exile, you have to be have a confident expectation of the God who is in control. Listen, if I have confidence, you know what I can do? I can take action. You know what the world needs? It needs confident Jesus followers because they live like they know who is in control. Man, the world needs Christians to say, don't let fear win. Don't let lies overcome you. Don't expect the worst. Listen, moms, I know this is a difficult time. I cannot imagine having small kids at home. But now is the time when your kids are learning how to handle exile. And trust me, they're gonna face it in their future. 
There's gonna come a time when their lives don't go like you had planned for them to go. There's gonna come a time when things go south and they face hardship. And right now they're learning. How are they gonna handle it? Listen, dads, I know it's gonna be difficult, but what if we live with confidence that God was gonna work this out? Listen, you may feel lonely today and you're just wondering what's gonna happen. What if you just exhibited this confidence of a God who deeply loves you, who had his, your best interest in his heart and was gonna work all things out for your good and for his glory. What if we live with that kind of confidence? Because we believed in the God who was in control. Listen, if our God defeated death, he can destroy every stronghold in our lives. When you know the one who is in control, you live with more confidence. Maybe this is a season to take risks. Maybe you should try new opportunities. Maybe we shouldn't do what everybody else does. This is the mindset of the Christian any day, any day. Any day good is coming. Any day God will come through. Any day Jesus is coming back. Any day God is gonna flip the script on our lives. Any day we should live with this confidence that any day something good is coming our way. Listen, God is in control of what is in control. That gives me confidence. So, so how did these Jews in exile who realized that God was in control, what did it look like for them to live with a hope for the future? Let's continue reading it down in verse five and six. Watch this. Jeremiah tells them, build houses and live in them. Build houses? Like, why would they build houses? Like, aren't they leaving? Isn't this exile? This isn't their home. But he says, build houses. He says, live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Then he goes on. He says, take wives and have sons and daughters. So have children. Take <laughs> take wives, have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Don't decrease, he says. Like, isn't that what we want to do in exile is just stop? Maybe, maybe step back a minute, survey the situation, wait for it to get better. No, 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 no. That is not what Jeremiah says. He says, do not decrease. Listen, when we decrease, when we step back, we get paralyzed, right? When, when, we get, when we step back, when we decrease, when we get smaller, it means we got bigger problems. Listen, in exile, we just wanna preserve, we wanna limit risk, we wanna protect what we have. Man, there's no heart to advance, to grow or to multiply. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah not only says don't be paralyzed, not only he says don't decrease, he says, but move forward. He says multiply. This has become great. Listen, God's heart for his family is always to grow. That's a consistent theme throughout scripture. Add people to my family, add sons, add daughters, add the addict, man, add the hurting, add the lonely. This is always God's desire for his family. Multiply. Listen, we need to figure out how to do that in this season as a church. How do we multiply our impact? How do we make more disciples? How do we reach new people? Not how do we consolidate? How do we hold our ground? But how do we take new ground? Man, there's this joke going around about COVID conception, right? In 13 years, there's gonna be a new generation. We're gonna call them the quarantines. <laughs> I believe the same is gonna happen in church, man. There's a new generation of church that will do whatever they can to adapt their methods in order to multiply while in exile. Listen, even in the middle of exile, there are certain things you can do. Jeremiah says, build houses. Houses aren't tents. They feel permanent, don't they? They feel like you're staying. 
If you settle in for a little while, you build a house. You don't build a house if you think you're going to be leaving it behind. You build a house when you embrace your current reality and you're playing the long game. Listen, as a church, we can't stand still. But, but, it, but it can't look the same. COVID won't let it. Government restrictions won't let it. Listen, we need to have flexible permanence during this season. Listen, we may get used to one thing and guess what's gonna happen? It's gonna change again. Now there's this characteristic that Debbie and I have uh, when we go on vacation, right? When we travel, if we find ourselves in an unfamiliar place, in a hotel or a VRBO or a house, and we know we're gonna be there for more than two nights, you know what we do? We unpack, we unpack. How about you? Like when you go on vacation, do you unpack? Or do you just live out of your suitcase? So recently, before the spike happened, we got to go to Florida with our family. Man, and we just had a blast with our family. And, and the first thing that we do when we get to the house that we rented on the beach, man, is we go in and we, we unpack. Man, man, we open the drawers and put our stuff there. We hang things in the closet. We put stuff away. Man, we put our suitcases away. We designate a place for dirty clothes so that I don't leave them everywhere. Man, we unpack the kitchen. We, we sweep the floor. Man, we act like we're gonna be there for a while. And the reason why we unpack is because we decided we're gonna maximize the experience. When we make that one decision, it makes everything else so much easier. I can maximize the time I spend on my activities. I'm more organized. It's more enjoyable. It's more meaningful. Listen, but if we don't decide to unpack and stay a while, then what am I always thinking about? What's the one thing that's always on my mind? Leaving, leaving. You know, the worst day of vacation is always the day before you leave because you're only thinking about leaving. And when I focus on leaving, I don't have the mindset to thrive in the present. When you, when you plan to stay, you pave the way. You pave the way for growth. Here's what we know about our current situation, man. It is no vacation, is it? It's not something we're doing for our enjoyment or our leisure. We, we didn't come into this trying to make memories, now did we? <laughs> but if God is in the middle of this current reality, we must embrace this moment with Him. Listen, if we don't make a decision to settle in, embrace this moment and act like we might be here for a while, we'll completely miss the meaningful work and ministry and personal growth that God has for us. Listen, Jeremiah tells the exiles, don't stop and wait. Whatever you do, it's easy to give up. It's easy to try to wait until it's over unless it's never over. And just because they couldn't worship like they were used to or gather like they wanted to or sacrifice like they'd done in the past doesn't mean they should stop and wait. On a personal level, listen, you need, you need to stay in the game. Don't wait for this to be over. Listen, in tough times, your first reaction may be to hunker down. Nothing could be less helpful. Like in your job, this is the time to become very visible in your organization. Right. Come up with new ideas, volunteer for new projects, take credit for your success and speak up. Listen, if you can come up with ways that your organization can save money, now is your time to make a difference. Listen, as parents, don't wish this time away. I realize that nine more weeks of virtual school or whatever is going to happen with schools, that that's going to be that's going to be a struggle. It's going to require a lot of adjustment. But don't waste this time with your kids when you have opportunity to build value in them. Because trust me, in five, 10, 15 years down the road, you're going to look back on this time and wish you'd maximize it. Listen, let's don't wish this time away. 
Listen, in your marriage, this is a great time to come up with new rhythms and new practices to strengthen your marriage. It's a time to learn to pray together. It's a time to have some conversations about the big dreams you have in life. It's a time to uncover maybe some of the, some of the cracks in your marriage that could potentially cause an earthquake in the future. Listen, as a neighbor, now's a great time for you to do something different, to engage your neighbors, to look for people who've just moved in and just to be a friendly face for them, to learn their names and to be in their lives. Listen, as a church, we have to keep moving. We have to stay in the moment. We can't stand still. We can't wait until we can do church like we used to. You remember this phrase? We've never done it like that before. And when you're young, you look at that as something that's not the way to live. Listen, we have to do things we need to do for us to make a difference today. I wanna give you an example from my mom. She's really good at this. My mom teaches a Sunday school class of ladies at her church. Hi, mom. And you know, when all this happened, they couldn't meet in their building. So, so she teaches them on the carport at her house. She's staying engaged. And listen, my mom's 80. She has every excuse in the book to take it easy, just to coast, but she's pressed on the gas. Listen, this has been the story of church from the very beginning. I mean, this urgency of the gospel message drove the apostles to preach to anybody who would listen. You know, there's this story about Peter and John in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts chapter 10. And Peter and John have been preaching the gospel and talking about the resurrection of Jesus. And they were bold and they said things like salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And then they get arrested. And after they're arrested, they're, they're, the Authorities told them, don't say this anymore. And, he, and this is what Peter and John said in chapter four, verse 19. It says, Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. In other words, there's a world that needs the message. There's a God that needs the glory and the great commission doesn't stop with COVID-19. Paul said this, he says, I have become all things to all people that I may win some. Paul learned what it means to adapt in whatever circumstances he found himself in and to embrace the moment and tell people about the great love of God. Man, he was gonna do whatever it took to reach as many people as possible, to tell as many people as possible and to teach as many people as possible. Listen, if we're going to tell as many people as possible, if we're going to reach as many people as possible, if we're going to teach as many people as possible, listen, God expects us to search out ways to actually serve other people. Watch what happens in verse seven. Jeremiah writes this to the exiles. He says, but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Man, I love this. God is saying that even though you find yourself in a place you didn't pick at a time that seems difficult, don't just look out at what's best for you, but look at what's best for those around you. Listen, don't look out for what's just best for you. Look out for what's best for those around you. Listen, if we're honest in difficult times, man, we tend to look out for ourselves. Right? We, we think about the problems we have, the pain that we're enduring, the inconvenience that maybe that we're facing, the price that we're paying. But listen, God flips that around. And he tells us to look at others. Man, not, not just to look at them, but to actually work 
for their good because that's what's good for us. And he says to seek the prosperity of the city. To seek out means to ask. We have to determine what the city needs and how we can be a solution. Man, man, there's this critical phrase in that verse that says this, where I have sent you, where I have sent you, where I have sent you. Listen, we need to view our current situation as a place that God has sent us. COVID-19 is where God has sent us. The cultural volatility that we see is where God has sent us. And we should be honored that we get an opportunity to step into the gap for people. Man, what is our homeland right now? What is the landscape? What does it look like to serve the world in this time? And how do we reach people? How, how, do we, how do we show them and, and meet a deep need that they have for some true meaning in their life? Like, what if it's possible that God's gonna use the church in new ways? Man, if we're willing to do things differently, if we're willing to search out new ways to serve, if we're willing to embrace new methods to take the message forward, like, like what is God gonna do with that? I think that God's expectations of us to excel during the exile is for us to embrace some different models of ministry while staying true to our values. Now, now our vision for a church in this new world that we're in, in the moment, I just wanna talk a few minutes about that and our strategy going forward, how excited we are as a team to be in this moment, the plans that we've begun to develop and embrace man, to, to continue to make a difference in people's lives. You know, as you heard this week, we won't be doing our regular online gatherings and, excuse me, our regular in-person gatherings in August. We just, we haven't really made a decision beyond August, but we know in the month of August with the spike that we've seen, with decisions that schools are making, that, man, that we just need to press pause on getting back to our large gatherings on Sunday morning. Man, but we're really excited about how this passage is gonna to apply to our church in the coming days. You know, one of our values is to fight for relationship and relationships look different now than they did before COVID, don't they? You know, we know that in a time when, when so much is online and distant that we need to fight like never before for relationships with people. Listen, we want you to know that we are here. Man, you're gonna to start to hear from us. Like we're gonna reach out to you. We're gonna be in your world, in your life. Listen, we don't wanna come across as a telemarketer, of course, but we think it's a very important right now to run that risk. You're gonna get a phone call from our team on a regular basis. Listen, we're gonna ask you two questions. How are you doing? How can we pray for you? Listen, how are you doing? We wanna know what's going on out there. We can't seek the welfare of the city if we don't know what's happening in the city. And then how can we pray for you? This is one of the commands that Jeremiah gives to the exile. We know that the Bible teaches us not to forsake gathering together. Listen, we can do that live in some instances and then also we can do it virtually in other instances. And while we can't meet like we did before COVID, we're gonna look for more opportunities to have more live gatherings, just different we're gonna have different opportunities during the week for smaller gatherings to take place that fit within the restrictions that we've gotten from the governor and the CDC and other organizations to, that can help keep people safe, but also help them grow and help fill a relational void that we all are experiencing during this time. Man, our group experience is gonna intensify. Let me tell you these things, this right now. Get in a group. Like somebody drop that in the comments. 
drop. Get in a group. You need to get in a group. If you're not in a group, you need to get in a group. Listen, we know we need to be intentional during this season about people being in groups. Listen, some people may want to meet virtually. Listen, others are comfortable meeting live. We're going to have groups available for every situation, for everybody in our church to be able to meet in a group, get in a group. Listen, our vision is to elevate the name of Jesus. Now, we used to do that primarily in large group gatherings on Sunday in the auditorium, also in our kids' environment, and on Wednesday nights with Wake. And now we know that we live in a world where everything is online. Man, shopping is online. Dating is online. Banking is online. Gambling is online, or so they say. I wouldn't know about that one. Listen, sports is online. News is online. And it's not just online one hour a week. It's online 24-7. So we know that we need to capture opportunities throughout the entire week to serve people, to disciple people, and to multiply the message. With the restrictions placed on us for a Sunday morning large gathering, we know that our online audience is actually larger than our in-person audience that would be allowed for the foreseeable future. And when that changes, we'll change. But but as of right now, this is the landscape we find ourselves in. And in order for us to elevate the name of Jesus online, digitally, our team needs to focus the majority of our efforts there. Listen, we need to elevate the name of Jesus through digital discipleship. We have unlimited potential when it comes to digital discipleship. Now, the same way that you have given your best in serving and volunteering, listen, we all need to be engaged in giving our best to get the message out about the goodness and the greatness of Jesus. Listen, you're still needed as part of an online host team, moderators, photographers, content creators. Listen, you are needed now more than ever. But our content won't only be for Sundays. There's so much that we feel like we can do digitally. We can deliver more content that will speak directly to the needs of people. Listen, parents who need help with virtual school, singles who feel lonely, marrieds who may be going through a little conflict, people who need to know how to interpret the news that's coming at them. Listen, we will offer more content to speak directly to the struggles of people. We want our digital experience to make a generation wake up to the greatness of Jesus. And then finally, our value to courageously go. Listen, we need to seek the welfare of our city. Our first move already has been to extend our camp a week for kids who won't be going back to school yet to help out parents. But as we search out the needs in our city, listen, we see that school starting back is gonna provide us a great opportunity to be the church. We're currently in conversations with our community and the surrounding communities about how we can be a solution and we can help our community so that others will come to know Jesus and to follow him. We have opportunities in Clarkston. As you know, we've been engaged there for a number of years and now the needs there have gone through the roof. We also wanna speak directly to our community's needs through our teaching series. So the next series that we'll start next week is how to survive a train wreck. Man, that's gonna give us all tools to help us deal with this disruption. We believe that we have a very effective strategy. Number one, we're gonna fight for relationship. 
Number two, we're going to elevate the name of Jesus through digital discipleship. And number three, we're going to reach out to our community and seek out the welfare of the city. Man, this is our great opportunity, Stone Creek. In the years to come, when we look back on church history, man, we're going to see how pivotal this moment was. We'll talk about what we did with this particular time in our culture. Listen, plans change, but vision never changes. We exist to elevate the name of Jesus. You know, at the top of the message, I said that verse 11 wasn't even the best verse in the chapter. Listen, Jeremiah notices the bottom line of how to excel in exile. And these are actually the best verses in the chapter. And let me read verse 12 and 13 for you. Jeremiah says, when you do these things, then you will call upon me. You'll come and pray to me. I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Man, the beauty of exile is that it pushes you to seek his plans. Listen, when things don't go according to your plan, what happens is you're forced to seek God's plan. This is his plan all along. Listen, let's not wish this away. Let's live with confidence in God's goodness. Now is not the time for us to wait for this to be over. It's a time for us to live with confidence, to stay, stay engaged in the message by seeking the welfare of our city. Let's pray together. God, we know that you're a God who loves us deeply and that you're a God who steps into every situation, that your desire is to multiply your family no matter the circumstances. And so God, as we just stand at what we believe is just the, the edge of the future and as we look into the future and the things that we love about church and God, the things that where we need to go old school, you just give us, and just give us wisdom and the things where we need to be able to adapt some new methods. God, you just give us courage. And God, I pray for those who are listening today and those who will listen to this message throughout the week, God, that you would inspire their heart to live a life bigger than their current circumstances. God, that they would look above the day in, daily grind of their lives to see the mission and the vision that you have for their lives. God, that we serve a good God who is big, who wants our hearts to be engaged with him. God, who, who wants us to pray to him. And God, that we would just be able to tell people of the goodness of Jesus and that we would just be able to tell people how much he loves them, that we be, would be able to tell people how present he is in their lives. And God, that when we look back on this time, while we'll look back on some of the negatives of this time, God, we will embrace the work that you did in our lives. And we'll be proud of how we responded as individuals, as families, and as a church. And God, when the, the chapter is written on Stone Creek, God, that, that while we will get some things wrong, but it was because we tried so hard, and God, that we will get some things right and people will be delivered to the heavenly gates because of our work. In Jesus' name. Amen.